Welcome to Altered Potters, where we hang out with fellow artists and talk while getting a little altered. I am one of the hosts, Ryan Myers, a full-time studio artist and instructor. And I'm the other host, Rochelle Miller, a ceramic artist and instructor, and this is Altered Potters. I'm Rochelle Miller. <laughs> I'm a studio potter and an instructor. Ryan Myers, um, taking a sip. Um, I'm a studio potter and sometimes I'm a teacher. All right, and we have a guest. We have Mitch Sigmund. He is, I see he's a potter. He's been a potter of different types of studio up to production. Um, he's also a kiln builder, a kiln repairer and an instructor at times. So you can find his work at Studio Mitch or on Instagram at studiomitch.com. Welcome. Thank you. All right. You want to explain where we're at right now? Uh, we're in my basement studio of my home in my little uh, 11 by 12 room that I've condensed down and that I've been working out of for the past 12 years or so. It's functional. It's tight. But, it's uh, multifunctional. It, like you take <laughs> slides in here. And you, yeah, I, I have a slide booth built in, storage racks, all kinds of stuff, uh, slab area, wheel areas, wedging, clay storage. This is what a handy, handy person can do in a small space. It's just impressive. You, you know, when you don't have a choice, <laughs> that's what you do. Right? I, I know a lot of potters who can do a lot of things because they don't have any other anybody else to do it yeah so they just learn that's smart what are we drinking and what are we drinking out of um well right now uh, ryan and i are drinking a 17 year old uh highland single malt that i forgot the name of but uh it's <laughs> awfully delicious <laughs> it was, it's from von foss right it, it looked like been. a von foss bottle well so what glass did you choose to drink it out um, of? i chose one of my glencairn style like glasses. a little tulip so it's, design, it's, it looks like. That's, you know, the Glencairn glass is kind of a famous <laughs> neat whiskey glass. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I like mine is neat. And so that's what I chose. It kind of funnels all of the aroma up into you, but still allows some swirl room at the bottom. And mm -hmm. uh, multicolored glaze wood fired at the uh, old Hoyt kiln. Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty cup. Which I just fired today, so I forgot to bring a cup, and Mitch is letting me use one of his from an artist that I don't know, and now he will. But you should me. know. Because, yeah, he's uh, got a story. So that's from Tony Clanell, who is a world-famous artist, and in fact has been putting on a series of workshops in Portugal. Huh. Uh, and so check out his Instagram, because the yeah. guy is a riot anyway. I mean, everybody loves Tony. He's great, great guy. I only met him the one time, but uh, he certainly made an impression on me. And so that cup is, uh, he was doing a workshop, a uh, soda fire workshop. Uh, he's from Canada, and so he can't bring work across the border to sell without a whole bunch of custom stuff and whatnot. And so he did the workshop in the U.S. and then had that stuff available to sell. And so oh, that's one of the cups that he had I traded him for, and uh, I really like it. It's, you know, it's typical... Tony Flair, he's always got some gestural nobule on it. Uh, his handles are fantastic. He just, you know, it makes some pieces that are just all handle. It's got a really nice finger dent, and right next to it, it's got a squiggly pigtail that your finger rests really nicely under, and it's really comfortable. Yeah, it's a sweet cup. It's nothing I would think about adding for no, comfort, it's, but it's smart. It's a beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Soft yellow, kind of almost pastel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, glaze. glaze is nice. Oh, yeah, Mitch gave me four right. of those for Aww. my fortieth. I use so them nice. quite a bit. Yeah. I'm drinking wine. I'm drinking a Chardonnay. Ed. Ed. Which is really nice that Mitch uh, shared some of his stash of wine. And that's what it's there for. <laughs> well, help drink it. I'm drinking from a Paul Eyed cup that I got at Inseca with Ryan. And it's in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't weird and shady at all. No. That's no. where all deals are done we at Inseca. We are just shopping. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was like a 
feeding, pop up. it was yeah. a feeding frenzy where it was so nuts and everybody was grabbing stuff and I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I gotta find something. So um, Paul does an amazing job sanding his bottom. <laughs> he has a very, very smooth bottom. Baby so bottom. It's a baby bottom. And I believe this is a wood fired from the look of it. Um, no, it's, so, it's soda. It's soda. I mean, there's, right. he multi-fires his work. So it's got some green, it's got some yeah, and, flashing. And usually it has a, some gold luster somewhere. Is that like a blue clear? Didn't, he didn't do gold yeah. luster this one. And he's got like a little stamp, a circle yeah. stamp and some carving inlays, which is really nice. So anyway, I haven't used this one much, so I thought it would be fun to try tonight. And it's. Um, and I stayed with the Matt Dead and Sika, and I didn't notice that he had such a smooth bottom. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the older I get with Encicas, I would drink less, but it's been more. That's because your liver is getting more efficient. Oh, there yeah. you go. That's my experience with all of the old timers there is <laughs> that you can't hardly keep up with them. Yeah. And now I am one of the old timers there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you using this much these days or how are you... How are you making right now? What are you doing for making? Uh, I am on a hiatus from making right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so the pandemic shut my art fairs down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was on the verge of changing my style and I switched to soda firing. Mm -hmm. And so I had a project in mind to put a huge addition on my house, build a different studio, and more importantly, build a couple of kilns, a wood-fired kiln and a soda-fired kiln. And so I have been raring and trying to do that for a long time and the pandemic has slowed everything down and so something i was ready to pull the trigger on two years ago is actually going to happen this may slash june uh so it'll be two and a half years after i wanted to well, this is everybody i feel like is right. in the same mm -hmm. situation it, sure. where absolutely it's not you you can't find people who can um, fit you in the schedule unless you've like scheduled a year out or six months out. Well, and he really wanted to wait until plywood costs $60 a sheet. And right. Well, exactly. I think that's really, because artists are usually pretty flush with cash. So that's oh, absolutely. Completely yeah. Really yeah. reasonable. Yeah, especially yeah, potters. Those boxes over there, they're just filled with cash. Right, yeah, so. yeah. for sure. That's every time you go to an art fair, you have to bring a suitcase for all the cash you leave with. And right? guards. <laughs> okay so this is happening and this is going to be so basically i'm going from a, a working space not including the kilns of a 11 by 12 i'm going from that to a uh, 42 foot by 12 foot studio so slightly different dimensions yeah. <laughs> almost four times the size yeah it's mostly one big room. I might put some dividers up here and there. Uh, I'm also going to have a little HVAC closet in there for the rest of the addition that I'm doing. So that might eat up like, you know, 10 square feet or something. Mm -hmm. My home is a tri-level so that the basement level is only half buried. Right. So it's half underground. And so what that means is that when I build a back room, kind of a mudroom entry from the garage up into the main house, attached right on the end of the studio, that's going to leave about a four and a half foot high kind of crawl space underneath. So all my storage goes to under there. Nice. Mm -hmm. So that gets oh. all of the storage out of the studio yes. and declutters that whole thing. And so I can set up, oftentimes when I'm doing large pieces on the wheel, I'll be on three different wheels at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I can line up my wheels, bam, 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 and be very efficient that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, with making that or if I want to take on a student or two or have friends mm. over or something like that It just has space to do that. So that's huge. workshop with the kiln you know, yeah. Right, absolutely. I'm going to be doing workshops with the kilns. That's half the purpose of doing it I, I'm really going to cut down my art fair time to maybe two or three shows a year mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time I'm going to be spending doing workshops or online sales and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so because big pots sell well. <laughs> yeah, and they're so they're easy awesome to, to ship. <laughs> yeah. so, so let's talk about that a little bit. You not only make pots for art fairs and for selling wholesale at times, I'm assuming you've done at some point. I or? have yeah. before. I work production for Lakeside Pottery, which yeah. you've also done. Yeah, 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 yeah. The type of work you make is you have a quite a range of scale but you go pretty big i've heard 
you're well endowed with your pots. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I met Mitch, I was learning to throw and I took a workshop at Bethel and you just came in and demoed and you threw a giant pitcher. In the workshop, it rained every day too and it was just super wet. And then on that giant pitcher, you put like a two finger handle and then, you know, it dried, and the next day he picked it up green by the handle, picked the whole pitcher up, and I was just like, oh, my God. And at the time, I couldn't throw a six-inch cylinder. Uh, and I'm like... You're just was, like... Yeah. Here's your inspiration right <laughs> yeah. here. I couldn't help but show off a little in your <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I figure that's that was, what you're there for, right? Yeah. You're, you're yeah. there to show off a little bit and... Uh, Inspire. And know, then like, I quit clay for three years. <laughs> <you know. laughs> And finally, after three years of practice, you got your six-inch yeah. tall piece. Yeah, yeah, and therapy. So, yeah. <laughs> but so I remember you from college. I must have been just on a school because I don't think we're that different in age. Cambridge Pottery Festival, they used to have the Olympics. Mm-hmm. For the listeners, all of you listeners out there who may not be familiar with the Pottery Olympics, it's a throwing competition that they used to have annually in Cambridge, Wisconsin. Um, with their regular Pottery Fest. I was working production at Rockdale Union. Mm -hmm. They had these Olympics where people are, you know, competing for, you have a certain set of time and a certain amount of clay, right? And to see how big or wide, or I guess I don't remember. All of the things, right? It was, you know, widest platter and largest sphere and uh, tallest cylinder. And then they had like a two-minute cylinder as Uh well. Then they had an aesthetics portion of it as well but i remember people think oh mitch is here (laughs) that fucker wins every time (laughs) i never scared bill gosman though (laughs) yeah first couple years i i couldn't touch bill tremendous amount of respect for and i miss him dearly he passed from cancer during the pandemic here after i got good enough to his level he and i would basically just depends on who had the better day yeah uh which made it absolutely fun yeah you know Hmm. not knowing who did it and not caring who won, you know, you're going to try your best. He's going to try his best and whoever wins, wins. Yeah. Well, Big deal. Yeah. And after you won like three wheels, you didn't need. <laughs> right. <one. laughs> I remember being on a flatbed truck too. So right. like, you know, you're, you're the entertainment for the <laughs> festival. In addition to looking at all the booths and things. Well, and the performance pressure when you got everybody watching. And the yeah. kettle corn guy. <laughs> the kettle corn guy was great. Mm. No, I just wish they would have let me wear clothes during the whole thing. I and, know. Well, uh, that's, and, that yeah. was a weird thing. I, don't, I think that's why they don't have it anymore. Dancing on the bowls and everything. It, right, it was awkward. Right yeah. permits for naked pottery. <laughs> That's so gross. I thought it's. I don't want to ever. You can be beautiful. I don't want to see you throw pots naked. I'm sorry. I agree. Clay should not be in certain spots. (laughs) I agree. Chafing, all that. (laughs) You're from originally from the Dells. Correct. And you started doing clay in high school. I did. (laughs) So I I have a very fun story about how I started clay. And uh, so my older brother is an Irish twin, being less than a year older than me. Okay. Um. And well, your uh, poor mom. I know. Yeah. Boys. Well, that yeah, close? and carrying the second one that long after. <laughs> <laughs> so my older brother's always been a mechanic, uh, the gearhead of the family, and he's a damn good one. And so, and I was always the artist, right? I like to draw. My older brother struggled in school sometimes, and he took this art class, a jewelry making class, as an easy A because it had that reputation. So he. Uh, made a pin and sent it on to the uh, MEAD awards or whatever they're called. He won the top level for the state, uh, gold key and blue ribbon. Hmm. And I got insanely jealous. (laughs) I mean, I was just, he had no business entering my field and getting some top awards. So I was gonna show him how easy and insignificant that achievement was. So I had to get into this class. He did that in uh, what would be his, the spring semester of his sophomore year, which is end of my freshman year. I show up in the fall only caring about this jewelry making course, only caring about the ribbon. Yeah, rubbing it. Entering, you know, (laughs) two or three of these things. There could be two winners in the family now. (laughs) My ribbon's bigger. I wanted to win it like three or four times, you know, right. just to show them there's right. no achievement, You're right? You're going to stick with it, yeah. And so I show up and I find ceramics on my class schedule. 
and I got hot. I was I was kind of a very passionate young man anyway. So I'm like, who did this? Who did what? And so it was the uh, the vice principal, Larry Black, who went on to be the principal at Edgewood oh. uh, High School for a long time. I went on to see him. I went into his office, and I come in storming, and I just on a tirade, and I just rant for five minutes on how only losers take ceramics, and I'd rather have a study hall. I want to make pins and be a dirty. man. <laughs> exactly. I just need to <laughs> right? shove this in my brother's You know, I, I signed up for the jewelry class, not for ceramics, you know. And uh, he was really cool about it because he just... He just listened just, to you. Just let me yep. run Hello. down on a steam. And after like five minutes, that's exactly what I did. I ran out of steam. And, yep. and I tapered off. And he said, so are you done? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. <laughs> did I get my <laughs> he, way? <laughs> he said, uh, the jewelry class was full of juniors and seniors. And they have priority. Uh-huh. I imagine it'll be open next semester. You can take it then. Till then, you're going to take ceramics. You're going to like it. Get out of my office. So mm. that was that was it. I went chagrined, just went out, took ceramics. The first time I saw anything with it, I instantly fell in love with it. And mm-hmm. He knew. He could see. He could see the squishing. He got potential. Yeah. And then as an adult, I got to, uh, in my young 30s, I got to return a favor and go to Edgewood and do a demo for the whole school. Oh, and fun. I had just come back from working with Wrights, and so I was making these huge pots and and do the demo and thank him mm-hmm. publicly mm-hmm. for you know Aww. nudging me into ceramics. So it was kind of cool. And he gave you a pin. <laughs> yeah. no, blue ribbon. Oh yeah. Blue ribbon. My principal just when I would get mad and say something to him, there was a little room that was a closet, and I had to go in there and sit in there <laughs> all day. That, was that so. a padded room that you're No, about? it had a lot of graffiti. It was pretty awesome. Oh, for actually. real? Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Is that a guy thing? Because I, I mean, like, I can't imagine mouthing off to anybody but my parents when I was that age, which I did plen- yeah. plenty to my poor parents. I would mouth off to anybody but my parents. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, mouthing <laughs> off to my parents was a really bad idea. Uh-oh. I respected all my teachers, but the principal yeah. was a different cat. He was strange and kind of egged it on in a way. Did a lot of kids have to go into the closet? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had quite a few friends that he forced into the closet. That's, that's so weird. Yeah, that is no. so not okay. That yeah, is so no. not okay. You ended up graduating and going to UW mm-hmm. somewhat. I, I did without a specialty. There's no specialty at the UW. Uh, you could just get a BFA. Right, but I mean... No concentration. You, emphasis. I, yeah, that's, right. what, I, that's I, what I... I I, yeah. I took more clay classes than any other class. Right. I remember I would, even if I didn't have room, I'd fill it up and, you know, do, right. do a independent study for one credit or whatever mm-hmm. just to have access to the Exactly. Studio. That's yeah. what, what we all did. Just mm-hmm. independent study for... A credit at the minimum just right. to access to the studio. Right. So so then you graduated, and then when did you work with Don? So I was sort of kind of graduating in about 99. I thought that tenure was how long you should take to get your undergraduate degree. Oh, yeah. How did yeah. your parents feel about that? <laughs> they didn't pay, so they didn't care. Oh. <laughs> I'm still paying it off. Let's put it that way. I know. It's <laughs> terrible. Don had come up for something in that time some workshop or the other to the area and bruce breckenridge another guy that just passed that i missed dearly bruce one of his major talents is that he knew everybody and introduced you to everybody he always gave you an introduction which mm-hmm. uh, i can't thank him enough for for all of that he and bruce howdle both said oh i, I talked to don and and don's looking for a studio assistant nowadays and so we thought of you you know mm-hmm. so you're big can horse around his stuff and was he in kansas city at the time or where was he no he studio? was in arizona he was in arizona in the verde valley uh, clarksdale is the name of the town near there so i think elaine Shear took don's uh, position and then bruce howdle came in without a position he just as a lecturer Okay. And he kind of got screwed over there. Okay. Yet another that passed a couple years ago yeah. that I missed dearly. Uh, it's the stage of life where all of your mentors are yeah, passing. Not, but uh, cool. So in any case, they wrote me letters of recommendation to Don. And uh, Bruce Howdle, I remember, said, 
something in his typical verbiage. He said, you want him, him strong like bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Sounds like him. Don had just agreed to take on another guy as an assistant, but he was like, he had trouble saying no to people. And so he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do a workshop up in Rhinelander. He said, you come up to Rhinelander and help me out with this workshop. And if we get along, we'll work something out. So I wanted to do this, right? Mm-hmm. This is Don Wrights, you know, right. this is the man. Mm-hmm. If you went to the UW Madison at that period of time, that's all you ever heard about was Don Wrights, and being a thrower through big things. Mm-hmm. That's what Don did. That was my guy, right? So I go up to Rhinelander, and they had this small community college up there that was hosting this workshop for him. I was trying really hard, and I'm in my prime. I was about 30 years old. I was trying really hard to impress Don. He was 69, and he's always had kind of a, a macho view. And he, uh, like many strong men, didn't like the effects of aging, and he didn't want any young whippersnapper showing him up. So Don's pushing back the other way, right? So I'm wedging clay for him. I am moving stuff around, everything like that. So I wedged up damn near a ton of clay <laughs> by hand. Over the weekend? In about an eight and a half or nine hour period. Oh, yeah. Over two days, but about eight and a half or nine hours. So you're just would, like, yeah. you're like, so it was, you're going to love me even though you don't realize 1,750 it pounds of clay is what we figured Holy out. Holy shit. Well, I and saw down through it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> While talking. Right. Yeah. And so he was just like, oh, there's more clear. I'll throw that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I wedged stuff. He made stuff, you know, uh-huh. and it was just like, and so that was. The people up in Rhineland there didn't know what they got <laughs> or what they had going on there because that was a special weekend. He just made and made and made probably double what he normally makes wow. because all the clay was done and he didn't have to wedge it. Yeah. I saw him wedge one time while talking to a gymnasium of people, mm-hmm. like 50 pounds of clay at least. Sure. Just talking and like yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I wedged 10 to 15 pounds and I'm out of breath, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it was soft clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't a big guy either. Oh, yeah. He 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 was very strong. He was a... But he was was lean, wasn't he? He was lean, but he was very strong. Yeah, Yeah. he had some big arms. He was a boxer for a while. He was a butcher. He was all kinds of stuff. He was a boxer, a butcher. Drove ambulance. A potter. Back when the ambulance was a meat wagon, he went from a butcher to driving an ambulance. It was kind of, you know... Oh, jeez. So gross. So then he said he was impressed. and Yeah, we got along. He said, yeah, come on out. He said he had another guy working, and he didn't know how he was going to make it because he didn't make much money anymore. Actually, what it was is that he had himself a girlfriend that was like 20-some young, years younger that spent a lot of his money. Oh. <laughs> and so well, we made it work. I worked out there for about a year, um, had a great time, met a lot of great people. Yeah, um, what a cool experience. Really. I, I was very fortunate. And then you came back to Wisconsin then. Mm-hmm. What, why did you decide to come back? I didn't have a, uh, a red cent to my name. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of experience. And some I, pots, but... I had to stop <laughs> in Sparta, where I knew my friend was, and borrow $20 from him to get oh. enough gas to make it to my house in the Dells. Oh, <laughs> That's how little money I had. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Once you got back, then is that when you started working like uh, Lakeside Pottery, and then I actually worked at Lakeside before I went down there. Oh, okay. So I started working at Lakeside Pottery in maybe '89. I went in the military out of high school into the Army Reserve, and so I did my six-month-long uh, advanced training and two-month-long basic training. So that was eight months of that. And when mm-hmm. I got out, I wanted to. Uh, Decided all of a sudden I wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so I had uh, grandfathered my way in. So I got into the UW by being in the top third of my class. That was the last year when I graduated that you could do that. And uh, I was the bottom person of that top third. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and You're so I got in that. without ever taking the SAT or mm-hmm. ACT or oh, any of that. Nice. And so I did a year of that and then ran out of money again, right? So yeah. I, I didn't have much money in my life yeah. young at all and so that's when it's okay to not have yeah absolutely to you got to do that stuff you got to take the chances and so the next year i was in the reserves and that was the um, desert storm oh. uh, and so i got called up for active duty for that went to germany 
How long were you stationed there? Three months, oh. four months, something like that. It wasn't long. Okay, not such a disruption. Um, no. And uh, it was a great experience. Mm -hmm. But I came back and I was dating this girl and she lived right adjacent to the old Lake Stone, or Lakeside Pottery, mm -hmm. which was behind the Big Ten Pub. It mm -hmm. was kind of their back room that was Lakeside Pottery. What's this about? You know, looking mm -hmm. in the door and whatnot. And so finally one day I said, hey, you know, looking for help? And Steve Becker, the owner at the time, said, he says, well, I, I don't know, we could try. And uh, everybody there was maybe a little too much into weed rather than working. <laughs> and so they weren't getting a lot done always. And it was pretty relaxed atmosphere. And here I came from this German farm boy work ethic. Mm -hmm. And so he said, yeah, come in and we'll try out, but I can't guarantee you're gonna work every day. And so it worked and did more work there than he's used to seeing get done. And he said, yeah, come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow, and that's when I started. So that was probably 91. Okay. So I worked there for, I don't know, four or five years, something like that. Wow, you were there a while. We made enough that year to move the locations. I helped them move to the Coyer yep. Lane location build that studio up from warehouse into a studio, built the kiln. Mm -hmm. That was the first kiln that I built. The big one, the car kiln? The Bertha, Bertha yep. Yeah, the big mm -hmm. I like the brick, that little one. Yeah, it was a great kiln. That was a West Coast kiln, I think, was the brand name of it. Yeah. It's like an eight burner <laughs> updraft. It yeah. uh, was a great kiln. Yeah, it fired fast and you could easily kind of control the reduction nicely. Mm -hmm. And for I get intimidated by the big kilns, like the big car kilns. And it's so silly because I think it'd be fine. But I understand the bigger kilns. Well, it was a necessity there because right, we were putting you're firing so, much. so much production wear through. Mm -hmm. And you need something that heated up quickly and cooled down quickly. And, and student work too because they had a lot of student work. It was too. it was half half the business was or more than half the business was student work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think firing those kilns when it's your own work, it's one thing. But when mm -hmm. you're messing up other people's work, it's a lot nicer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you no. know what, though? There is a, it's, it's funny, though, because I do think that if you've been working as a professional potter for a time, you know exactly where you want your work. You know mm -hmm. exactly. Like we All the talking. sweet spots. Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, it is more stressful if you're having, I don't know. I think you want to have your work where you want it. And if you somehow have to share or have that variability, mm -hmm. it's not as fun. I was always the one loading and firing the kilns because I wanted that control. Mm -hmm. You know, I somebody said, "Oh, you got the best spot," and I was like, "Well, yeah, I loaded the kiln. Mm -hmm. If you want the best spot, load the kiln." Right, mm -hmm. right. You can control that. Yeah. And don't put any of my work in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my own. <laughs> right, right. So then, where did you first learn about building kilns? Then. So I started with repairing kilns, and so when we were still at uh, at Lakeside Pottery mm -hmm. uh, on the Regent Street behind Big Ten Pub, mm -hmm. they had an electric kiln that uh, went down. And the electric kilns back then were super simple. The nearest repair, repair place was down near Illinois, and you had to bring your kiln to them, and oh, it was God. $65 Crazy. an hour then. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and so this is like in the early 90s, $65 an hour, and you had to bring your kiln to them. Hmm. So I said, you know, my dad's basically an electrical engineer without mm -hmm. a degree. I've helped him with lots of stuff. There can't be too much that goes wrong with this. Mm -hmm. So I started tinkering with it. Well, what do you know? I fixed it. How many shocks did you get while you None. Got None that time. You don't want a shock with that <laughs> <laughs> voltage. That's 60 yeah. amp. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would that'd fry you, definitely. <laughs> Breckenridge had his own kilns at UW, mm -hmm. and I was loading them, and it was extremely hot back there, and it was super sweaty, and I wasn't touching the kiln, but I was getting shocks. Static. <gasps> yeah, and it was, like, super scary, and I'm like, Bruce, I'm like, I'm getting shocked from using your kiln. Is it safe? He's like, yeah, 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 you're yeah. fine. You know? it's like, <laughs> but he had it checked out, and then they grounded them differently. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like... They weren't grounded properly. Yeah. So I might have I think prolonged I Bruce's that. life for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Get on you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. And I guess at that time you didn't have, you couldn't 
just Google up, you know, how to change my thermocouple. Well, that's you why know, we that's can't where, complete no. a sentence right now. We have to, <laughs> we have to use our up. phone to... <laughs> Hey Siri, exactly. How do I ask how but, to change? So then, when we moved to the bigger studio, you know, obviously that that West Coast kiln wasn't going to cut it anymore for uh -huh. what we needed to fire. And so Joanne Kirkland, a uh, great potter, a good friend, she has this fiber envelope kiln that she built. And being an envelope, the the, the place where you stack the ware in the door doesn't move. That stays put. The rest of the kiln moves. It slides back and forth. Uh, on rails uh -huh. over that. And so uh, I researched her kiln, looked at that, and based a lot of my designs. It was a Minnesota flat top base mm -hmm. design, mm -hmm. and looked at other car kilns and stuff like that. And I decided that we wanted to do a car kill instead, mm -hmm. and I was going to beef up the welding on it and stuff like that. And it worked. Mm -hmm. Well, and behold, it worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, it, it worked well. Fired that kiln for a long time and rebuilt it a couple times. When uh, Scott Draves closed down the st studio, he was in a hurry to get out and he asked me to take down the kiln and then get the i could have the extra fiber which was not very old and i ended up selling that fiber to uh, dolores fortuna who mm. just yeah, used she it just building building her new studio her new studio up in Door just County area. used yeah. it yeah that's crazy she's been holding on to it since then oh my god i feel like you know artists need to have just a warehouse to hold stuff until you are ready precisely you yeah. see how <laughs> and i my new mantra it's maybe a terrible mantra but i'm impressed by it so it's new it's new say yes to less when you have lots you of stole that from some show no i don't <laughs> it's not say yes to the dress no uh. i <laughs> Because I feel like it's so easy to be excited about so much and to be on board and mm -hmm. say, yes, yes, I'd love to do that. Or how can I? But be? you do need to store that stuff because, like, I'm going to build the kiln hopefully this Great. spring, summer, and I've had all the things I needed to build it multiple times, but I didn't own a but place. But you don't have where... a place to store it. Yeah, and I, and I really feel like I should just start working in paper. You're making doilies because, <laughs> yeah, right. like, all this stuff is heavy. Or and jewelry. So how long ago did we build the Hoyt kiln? Four years? At least. Yeah. Roe was going out of business, and I picked up a bunch of bricks, soft bricks from them. I used some on the Hoyt kiln. Jacob said, pale like clay, was mm -hmm. gracious enough to let me store them in a shed for a while out there. So what, you've had to move them a few times? Yeah. Is that what you're So, oh so he had, uh, that was the year that the flood, flood oh, in, oh, yes. in Verona, right? Yeah. And Paoli and all that. So the Sugar River rose like 20-some feet, bridge, right? yeah. And so it flooded one of the pallets that it had of soft brick. Oh. And then you sued Mike. And no. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mike... I was up north on vacation, and Mike says, you got to come get this now. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> no, but I called in a bunch of friends, and we moved all these brick for the third time. Uh, God. And uh, we moved them to my garage, and then I stacked them up so they'd kind of dry out. And then I built yeah. a shed behind my garage. And the purpose of the building the shed was to save the brick, right? right. And so I was going to build this shed for less than $1,000. And that was my budget for it, right? And so I built it right, kind of right attached to the back of my garage. And I may have skipped the permit process or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and so my neighbor was getting his siding done and the inspector came out to look at that and he looked oh, over he and saw it. me building the shed, oh, no. which is only right. You gotta do your thing, right? Yeah. And uh, so he sent me a letter and said, I noticed you're building a shed, looks nice. He said, but I didn't, I couldn't find a permit for it. So you might want to stop for this and you also might want to check with the zoning office. So I was over zoning by, it's an eight foot wide shed. I was over zoning by six feet. Oh. So I only had two feet off of the back of my house that I could have built from. Oh. <laughs> and so I had to rezone the property. All said and done with permits and rezoning and everything like that, it cost me $700 to keep my $1,000 shed. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's pretty good, though, to get a shed for $1,700. Well, right now, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. We've been talking yeah. about going in on a cabin with people 
Maybe okay. we just need to buy a warehouse space. pole barn. Pole barn. That's <laughs> all so you need. And then there, I know we can a, make part of it into living space, so yeah. you can vacation and see but your stuff I, that you're storing. I know of a tiny house that's for sale right now from mm. well, Madison College. The one of their tiny houses is for sale for eighteen thousand dollars. I don't want to live on Madison College campus though. When I had to move out of my studio, when I had to move out of Winnebago. The shit I threw away that I didn't want to throw away, but I just had no place yeah. to put it. No. This is storage. why I'm building an addition here rather than moving. Yeah, yeah. I know because it just requires space to have everything. And so now my garage is half full of my pottery stuff and whatever I. Do you park in your garage? My wife does. <laughs> <laughs> my husband parks in my garage. Yeah. I don't. So yeah, that's how it goes when you're a potter. You give up your space for your studio stuff, yeah. right? And so, okay, what is your favorite tool for pottery? Yeah, and not your knucklehead brother or whatever type <laughs> of dad joke you're gonna throw out there. My hands, yeah, favorite tool. <laughs> I'm serious, yeah, you don't use a whole lot of tools. I don't use very many tools yeah. when I throw my hands, are my tools, all right, yeah. What about you, Ryan? What What's your favorite tool? Mitch's hands. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, you asked me this before. I really like SIM, X-I-E-M. If I'm saying it right, their tools. I use them a lot for surface texture. All right. What's yours? I've got like a few. I've got a... a Do you use only dental tools? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. use dental tools. I have a aluminum rib that is... What? Aluminum rib? Wow. It's <laughs> no, but it's thicker, so it doesn't uh, have. It's not very pliable, so it's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. I do have this piece of molding here, <laughs> so Perfect. it's like a, I don't know, like a fancy chair reel or something, uh -huh. and it's uh, probably fourteen inches long and about two and a half inches wide, and on one side there's like an inch thick bead of wood, and on the other side it tapers down to about five sixteenths of an inch. Mm -hmm. I love this tool for when I'm making square things. So when I'm uh, doing my square vases or anything mm. like that, mm. because it allows me weight mm -hmm. on the one side with that big bead of inch mm -hmm. thickness behind it, or a super light touch on the other side, all in the same tool. I can use it as a paddle. I can use it as a comb, mm -hmm. I, all kinds of stuff. So I love things that are very versatile. Right. If I had to pick a favorite tool, that would That's probably be it. it. Oh, I'm going to say my X-Acto knife is my favorite tool. I feel yeah. like I, I don't know why it took me so many years to realize that was mm -hmm. a really good tool. Okay, next one. Uh, oh, best place to work as a production powder and why. Have you been a production powder any place other than... Are there any places? I have <laughs> I've never best. had a, a friend or yeah. acquaintance that ever came out of production powdering. Like, you should do this. It's a great way to make... <laughs> A little bit no. amount of money and burn it, yourself. It takes out. a special person I've to done do it production at three pottery. different places. Yeah. John Tiller has done it at multiple different um, places. He too. totally has, and he's been all over the world. Probably yeah, he, has. Done he went it to Hawaii. Multiple places yeah. today. Probably. <laughs> but he's an amazing potter, yeah. and that's if that just fits John. You yeah. know? Right. He loves to just. It's that flexibility. Of well, yeah, he has. Pick up and go. Do that, and he's so good at it. Yeah. We When I was at. Okay. We're going to interview John at some point. Oh, he'd oh be yeah. Good. John would be a riot. Yeah. I, seen ages. I wanted you need to, to hear his stories about weasels killing sheep. Yeah. <laughs> he has so many stories about everything <laughs> other than pottery. Right. Well, this is, this is day job. When I was working at Roe, Matt and I went on vacation to Key West and we went in and saw a potter. And I was visiting with him and I said that I worked. It was a production powder row. And he was just like, well, next time you come down, give me a heads up and you can it, work for a few days. God, it'd be so sweet to go on vacation and work. Do yeah, some and work. just <laughs> grind out pots. Yeah. I did but not you know, like production pottery. Uh, oh. I, I thought it was good for me yeah. to learn to be more efficient. But I thought it was very limiting. Yeah. Uh, it... it kind of put you into like you know going through life with blinders on you only saw the shapes that you could make and then you, if it didn't have a function or whatever then mm -hmm. you couldn't make that so it took me a long time to unlearn production pottery right 
Uh, and then I found out that I shouldn't have been unlearning production pottery because it was a great experience right. to do and then get out of, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I needed to embrace it mm -hmm. for what it allowed me to do. So it allowed me to, as a studio potter, make the pieces that I wanted to make much more efficiently. Yes. There was an Etsy potter that several of us, I think Nikki Ross and Scott Dreves and I and some others were laughing at because she would post on there. This is in the early days of Etsy. And she would post on there, oh, I made like nine plates today. And boy, am I wiped out. And, yeah. <laughs> and they would be like, yeah, I made uh, 150 mugs in the morning. And then right. in the afternoon, I, right. <laughs> you know. Do you think when you two get older and senile that you will go to the studio and accidentally just throw 300 mugs one day? Because you just, possibility. you know. Yeah. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I throw my mugs in a shape that they don't need a handle anymore because oh. I'll probably forget to put the handles on the next <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That was intentional. <laughs> One thing about production pottery that really I took away from it is it trains your eye to see the most subtle curve and really recognize mm, what's yeah. going on in the shape. And mm -hmm. I didn't learn that in undergrad, you know, because you're yeah. just like just trying to hopefully make what you're a trying Abilities, to make yeah yeah because yeah, you're you just don't have that skill set yet yeah unless it, you're a, you know yeah it really hones your craftsmanship and i think the best artists are the ones that can combine the artistry with the craftsmanship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right next question best art fair you've ever done there's only 45 more questions yeah <laughs> <laughs> best art fair i've ever done uh in what way uh, however you want to define it, because I know everybody has a different definition of a good show. Well, I could tell you about the one, but we're not supposed to talk about that one because it's such a sweet show that everybody would want to do it afterward. So it's the show that shall not be named? Yeah, it's the show that shall not be named. Let's just say that you it's... Have it, get, will you have to get... It has a music festival. There's a Illuminati essence to it. <laughs> it's a music festival that has I'll an art show, show within it. i show you my tattoo that you can see I'm in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. But it has an art show within the music festival, and it's a three-day event in which you go in the middle of the woods and camp out. So basically you have this long, narrow space, like 45 or 50 feet by 10 or 11. And so you, your camping site, your vehicle, everything is all behind, right behind your booth. And then they stack the booths up in along two rows, fence off both ends so that the artists have their own compound. Nice. Okay, so you're all back to back to each other. And then one side faces the stage, the other side faces the food court, stuff mm -hmm. like that. The artists all get along, everybody's friendly. And everybody at this festival is there to have a good time. There are no fights, there are no anything like that. It's a little bit Burning Man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit Burning Man. Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's beautiful. And uh, there's and a weird people, adult tent. <laughs> yeah, people buy. Art. They, Where did they, they just man. carry it around with them to their tents? Or well, how are they carrying this? So stuff? they no, have customers, their cars. Customers, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, These aren't all ten people. <laughs> they drive. They drive in, and they, they're the same setup for them in different areas. They have their car right next to their tent, so they just <laughs> buy stuff, bring it up to their car, pack it away. Oh, okay. Uh, or some people will use it all weekend if it's a functional item. Mm. Ah, so having. Functional items is probably a little bit genius for that clientele. Uh, yep. Yeah, I've done well with both. Did you I've done make well a lot of pseudo functional and stuff like that? I did not, but one could probably do well there. Oh, that is so interesting. And you define this by the best show because of what's your definition? Most fun and financially smart show to do? Financially or? smart so show to do. Uh, I get to see my wife's sister and her husband and their child, who I get along with very well, because mm -hmm. uh, they all come to this festival. You have a lot of great music. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of great people to hang out with. The family comes with you on the art fair, so mm -hmm. you can leave the booth mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, go off and do this or whatever. And go into the adult tent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's an all around great art fair. And then not only can you listen to a bunch of great music while you're yeah you're working working there's no mm. official closing time if you want to stay late open fine if mm. you don't you, you zip up, down the tent and you go shop. do whatever else huh. Fun. I what know. kind of music is it 
it's a really big variety of music. It's all kind of traditional instruments, mm -hmm. but you can have a wide variety within that. There are every year they do have bluegrass. They do have a straight country. They do have a Celtic band. They oh, also fun. do wow. dance. So they have all kinds of amazing dance Line people that dancing. come in. <laughs> no. You'll you know, also have jazz. You'll have gospel. You'll have oh crazy. Just tell me they'll have barbershop quartet because that's yeah. my least favorite. <laughs> I have not seen one there. <laughs> not yet. But, so, maybe. so this is the place where I got introduced to Pokey Lafarge, which is one of my favorites uh, since that time. You know, I love. If you haven't listened to Pokey Lafarge, you got to. I don't know who Pokey Lafarge. You got to give it a listen. What kind of music? Fun music. Uh, the last little barbershop don't little <laughs> don't listen to his <laughs> pandemic stuff because he was going through a bad breakup and it was very melancholy mm. all right but you know his self-titled album is just good times mm. all right that's, that's it's americana kind of with a he's out of st louis mm. jumpy jug band not, he doesn't do polka because it feels nope. like pokey does polka should be really <laughs> no. she got a broke down El camino in the front yard of bon her mom walks around in a pink nightgown, sandals and white socks. She don't mind a baseball game in the middle of the light and in the rain. She's a pain in my brain, drives me insane, but I love her just the same. Boy, love her just the same. But sure. it sounds like a good fair to trade at, too. Like a really it's a great fair, fair to trade at. Yeah. Uh, every every fair I'm at, I pretty much make a trade. Yeah, you know, right. it's just part of the life, right? That's yeah. why you do fairs because you build your art collection. <laughs> You're there selling art to make money, but at the same time, you can't afford to buy other people's art. Exactly, you don't make enough money. <laughs> and you know, the other thing I'll say about art fairs is any pottery festival is amazing. You know, yeah. Minnesota Pottery Festival is a great time. The Lots of thing. great people that put it on. The Cambridge Pottery Festival is fun. There's a pottery festival and uh, used to be out of Dillsboro in North Carolina. They've moved yeah. it now, but that's oh, also they? a great time. Yeah, I did that one year. Right in the Smoky Mountains. It's gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you can eat lobster mac and oh, it's good. <clears throat> yeah, it's mm. great time. Um, so any pottery festival, really. But right. you come home with just as much weight as when you leave. Right. Because <laughs> well, maybe you come home with more because your pots are light. <laughs> so, but it's... Yeah, I haven't been, I haven't done an art fair in a long time now. We need to buy a big rig and then we can do art fairs together. I know. Well, I'm glad that you don't do art fairs because you'd win all the awards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, though, would like to win awards. You would for win this, a ribbon. For this pin that I made. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that I did win several gold key blue ribbon oh. awards for jewelry that oh, oh nice and I'm for glad. ceramics okay i'm glad that we got full circle on the, like weird alligator down there i made that in high school oh. and it used to have light bright sticking out of it and have a, a light oh, bulb on its butt <laughs> that i put a there's a, on the front there's a little brass alligator that i made and that you touch that and it would turn on the light yeah. to three different things oh wow I got an award for that one. Well, bravo. <laughs> God, I made a shitty piece and got an award, and that's why I went to art school, and mine didn't light up oh. or have buttons. <laughs> I, didn't get a, I didn't get a good award for that. I just got an award. Yeah, and they were just kind of like, this is really unusual, so we'll give you the unusual award. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. This is the so best effort. Somebody put a lot of effort into this. <laughs> I won an award when, in school, they had like a... I don't they had guest jurors and then you could mm -hmm. the, all the art students could enter work in and I entered a painting that I had done over the summer at home because I used to a Bob Marley or <laughs> it was, Jerry Garcia I was, was painting with the palette knife I would mm -hmm. do the, and I would mm -hmm. do these oh my gosh I would, one of those cheesy paintings did, <laughs> did I say that I would used to paint in my parent in my my bedroom it was a split level so it was in the basement and I would paint with oil paints and I'd have oh, paint thinner in my bedroom and my mom would come in i'd have the door the windows closed my mom would come in she's like oh and she would wipe your face from the drool and <laughs> she'd be like open the windows and i would i slept in that room i think that really I, well that yeah. explains a lot right um i used to be really smart um <laughs> prior to that no but so i entered this painting in the show 
And I won first place and all the painting students were just like, they were like talking, not knowing I was behind them. Like, she's not even a painting emphasis. She's a clay person. And I can't believe she won first place. And I was just like, oh, the injustice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yet they don't like my pottery, but they like my painting. So then you said, suck it. Suck it, fuck off. any medium. <laughs> Except the one I'm actually most experienced should see my pen. Right. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, worst advice anyone ever gave you? Yeah, so uh, worst advice was uh, probably from myself. where and, and it was a constant advice I kept giving myself. We were like, oh, yeah, you can get away with that this time. Mm. Yeah, never, mm-hmm. never got away with it. Every time I ever took the risk, I always paid. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I'll tell you what the, my best advice that I can think of that as art that was helpful when I first started doing sales. The best advice was, "It's not you. It's they're just not the right people. Mm-hmm. Just your people haven't aren't coming to that sale." And after I did. You know, three years of shows, mm-hmm. 16, 18 shows a year, mm, and I still lot. hadn't found my yeah, people. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. There was something wrong. Yeah. But once you find your sweet spot, I mean, it does mm-hmm. change your whole outlook of your work because otherwise you are yeah. going. Uh, but then you can max out the sweet spot, which I've sure. done at shows. You, you can, sure. and you, you have keep to evolve, and right? Yeah. Your work. Yeah. You have to evolve as an artist. Yep, 100%. Okay. If you weren't working in clay, what medium would you be working in? Wood or metal. I've done both. Mm-hmm. And I, I love anything 3D, anything that's tactile. Mm-hmm. What would you be making out of those materials? Furniture? Uh, I've certainly done some furniture. I, I think mm-hmm. I'd probably like metal the best. I love bending metal. I like heat, you know. I did yeah, this yeah. Pot, fire. Right? Fire. Oh, fire. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so one of the things I'm going to put with the, the new kilns is I'm actually going to put a, a forge in. Mm. Uh, and I would like to learn uh, knife making and uh, make uh, high-end kitchen knives. Wow. I have this dream of being able to go to an art fair with a suitcase of knives, a fold-up table, and a tent. Yeah, no. <laughs> like a jeweler. Yeah, exactly. So you could have went down like the a jeweler. Pin, the pin exactly, route. yeah. I could have just made pins for a living. Yeah. Oh. Shoot, next time. Next but then I'd be getting robbed all the time, so. Yeah, I've heard some horror <laughs> stories of jewelers. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah. That's not good. Okay, so. Brian, how about you? Well, you asked me this before, and I do remember I said I'd be making chairs. Three, three-legged chairs only, because I couldn't make four-legged chairs. You have to have them too even. Yeah. Who Would you make them for? Um, Sitting. You know, no, for people for milking. or for like chimpanzees. <laughs> for milking. Because like, it'd, be Milk it'd be really interesting to make like really specialized in like puppy chairs. I would make chairs like, for s- throwing pots oh, or stools for pottery. <laughs> pottery stools. Yeah. Nice. Because everybody knows that the way to make a living in the arts is to sell to artists. <laughs> <laughs> well,. You get a lot of good art in exchange. Okay, mm-hmm. I would do. I think I do jewelry. Yeah, I think that, that seems like it my... would work for you. Mm-hmm. Well, being that I already <laughs> since made jewelry, you're, <laughs> since you're doing clay jewelry right now, so. <laughs> I'm wearing some. Oh, you can't see them because of my headphones. All right, why don't you start? What's altering your What's life? What's altering my world? I have a friend who um, we found out last weekend that he had a brain tumor. A slow growth one he didn't know until I get well they were on vacation and he started to have slurred speech and tingling in his arms was in the ICU in Mexico for five days while they were trying to figure out what what it was and then they flew him to New York and he had open brain surgery today this morning and it went pretty well Um, but between that and the Ukraine I've just been feeling a little overwhelmed about all the difficult stuff going on. You need some Pokey Lafarge. I need life. some <laughs> Pokey Lafarge. <laughs> By having people you love going through really difficult things, I'm trying to really embrace the beauty and joy. Mm-hmm. So thank you for spending your time with me today. I mean, it's I need to be around the people I like yeah, as much yeah. as possible because 
it's just that's it's been a what tough two years for. yeah i kind of started the morning i mean i barely slept last night and then fired all day and woke up extremely early but it like i drove by breckenridge's house who just passed and like was thinking about hoddle firing when i was firing the kill and it's like man i'm kind of having an emotional day and it was gray all day and cold yeah. and it, it's tough you know yeah. I, I'm, I'm reaching an age where uh, you know all of my mentors are going yeah. um and i i'm i have very few mentors left that are around i mean my high school pottery teacher is still around and mm -hmm. doing well uh, unfortunately he lost his brother to covid who was a non-vaxxer and mm. and died from it um at young age of 72. Mm -hmm. All of my college professors are gone. It's it's just an age where you just you know you're more aware of the morbidity around you. Mm -hmm. um, and then, that's where the rye comes in. Exactly. <laughs> Bury the. So we've got right. aging parents, aging in-laws, aging dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah. just. And then you get a puppy, and then you realize that. I didn't want a puppy. There. Yeah. <laughs> Shelley. It's being responsible and drinking whiskey near the end of the podcast this time. Um, I, do you see? I just did. Uh, just did a spot. It's a pretty tasty whiskey. Ride. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, even though I said today was cold and it was just being outside all day, but I started tapping our maple trees, mm. and it is getting warmer. So I'm yeah. excited. I mean, you wake up and it's not dark, and mm -hmm. you eat dinner, and it's, it's still light. not dark. It's mm -hmm. crazy. So. I've been in a better mood. Did you know that. you can tap box elders? Yeah, I've, I've never done it. Do you have any box elders? Well, my neighbors do. They, you get a lot of sap from them, yeah. and there's not a ton difference between the flavor. Mm. Hmm. It sounds like that you need a ton of... Yeah, I had, I had uh, over 40 gallons of sap, and I made... Like maybe, a quart. <laughs> no, I made like three <laughs> gallons. Now, I could have boiled everything a little longer yeah it was a little runny like a little but thicker but it was still i mean it's still great yeah and then my wife who didn't do any of the work gave too much away so just like just your, like the glasses right? yeah. that was retribution right. yeah 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 <laughs> for yeah. your pine glasses at your 40th <laughs> oh man that was like just i don't addictive. know 16 years ago your 40th yeah yeah maybe seven feels like it but. <laughs> That's what happens when you fire a kiln all day. It ages, yeah. Where can the listeners find your work? What's the best way to see what right you're doing? Right now, they just can't. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can find some of my so old exclusive. work. It's so exclusive. Yeah, you can find some of my old work at uh, studiomitch.com. Okay. Uh, but I'm horribly outdated on the website. It's uh, because I haven't produced any work in two years. Yeah. Uh, I just haven't done anything with it. But you've All been... of my remaining old work I donated to the local Oregon library because they're building a new library. And we were able to raise several thousand dollars for that. Uh, and I was tired of doing that work, so I wanted it out of my yeah. site. So it's all gone. I have nothing. We did a cup exchange last week at our... Right. Our clay meeting, I had nothing to give. <laughs> Other than your rosy personality. Other than And that. your company. But then you were also working on kilns in multiple locations. So even if you're not having your hand in the making, you're still Ragged very involved. Career. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely involved in the kilns. I, I'm, there's kilns all over that continually break down. We're talking about building a kiln at, uh, for Thoreau College in, uh, what is it, Laval? or somewhere near there. So I'm working with somebody talking about that. There's another uh, person who is uh, out in the kind of Mount Horeb area that has a private wood kiln. He wants me to weld up some mm -hmm. stuff for him there. I've got my kiln projects that I'm gonna be building as soon as my addition is done. Uh, so yeah, there's so you'll be making uh, lots, lots of stuff but in the work. not necessarily pots at this point. Well, that's the thing that I think is insane about a lot of potters. I mean, I have some skills, but then Mm -hmm. You know, you meet people that can do, can do it uh, all. Yeah, and it's just yeah. really impressive. Like, I mean, planning out your space and doing all that. Like, that's why I have my wife. Like, <laughs> I can tell her what I want and she'll plan out the mm -hmm. space. It, you know, it's part of the age that I come from. You know, mm -hmm. it was just kind of like if you wanted something done, you did it yourself. That's how yeah. I, I grew up. My folks were all. I've, my dad's family, especially, there several brothers involved, and they would uh, 
start a house project or have something they've just called the brothers in and then all the kids from that everybody'd show up there there would be a big feed and everybody'd yeah. work until the work is done and right. and you'd learn all kinds of skills and uh, or bring skills to the party in the first place and so my grandfather was a bricklayer and a master mason and uh, uh, uncle that worked with glass and uncle was a master mechanic my dad was an electrician mm-hmm. uh, so you had all of that rounded skill set coming in and then you just soak it all up yeah. you yeah. know and so don Hunt yet another person who is not around and I miss very much mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. used to call me the uh the renaissance man and he said he's uh how did he say it he said uh, jack of all trades and master of them all and mm-hmm. i was like no well i dabble a little yeah. bit here and there and he said no no you know everything and so yeah but and the key is that i faked it you know i just what i didn't know i made it up <laughs> i know several people and one of them is very close in my life that uh uh they won't do something that they're not already good at. Yeah. And that's, to me, is frustrating. It's silly. Um, you can never grow. It's like how uh, people say, oh, you're good at everything. Well, I practiced at everything. Right. And you probably yeah. screwed everything up. Everything that I'm good and at, you, I practiced And you screwed at. up you a failed. bunch of times. Yeah. And then exactly. you learned from that and you kept going forward. One of my favorite things was, you know, I, I had already done production pottery by the time I showed up to college mm-hmm. for real mm-hmm. and, and doing the clay studio and stuff. And so somebody asked Bruce Breckenridge, how do I get to throw as good as that as Mitch over there? How mm-hmm. do I get to throw that good? And Bruce said, well, simple. Throw 300 days out of the year. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and I started thinking about that. That's kind of the magic number right there. If you do something 300 days out of the year, you're going to get good at it. Yeah. yeah. Unless maybe it's golf. especially if you live here right you can't do it everything else if you're going to do it 300 days of the year you're going to get good at it just bottom line ryan anything you want to plug clay collective tour is coming up check that out if you can't come to it you know look at it online make plans and come the next year it's a growing tour and it's great um lots of great stuff to say other than that i don't have anything that's not immediate in the next three months all right. plan because I think after these three months I'm going to need to sleep <laughs> so too many things go, back go, to go, back go, go. so yeah tell them where you, they can check your work out primarily Ryan Myers ceramics on Instagram you can see my Be most up to date horrible photos um, I plan on visiting the website with a friend soon and actually putting some more images on there nice. but um you can find my stuff on Hands and Clay Madison on Instagram. And I'm trying to make new work for Able Gallery for the upcoming nice. show. So that's what and I'm And you I'm should make a goal. Maybe we should plan a show in the alternative space up there for the That would be the really fun. And yeah. Invite a bunch of ceramic people. And that would be very fun. Get a theme. There, right. go. In a year, we're going to have a big show. It's happening. Buy your tickets. So and yeah, within a year I'll be producing work <gasps> again in my own kiln, having oh. uh, we could have altered potters <gasps> show. Oh. We could uh, oh. have a show. altered potter <laughs> altered potter firing at the soda firing. Yeah. Right. So you guys definitely have to come out. So all of my workshops are going to be done through MSCR unless we do some oh really nice. privately funded thing or something That's like that. Very so. Cool. Uh, MSCR is the Madison School Community Recreation. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna. I've already kind of worked it up through them that we're gonna just run the the workshops right through them, so that's already set up to pay and new stuff. Yeah. And you don't have some. to do that shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's super smart. I w- I would love to do one of the workshops. So that would be really fun. They're gonna. We be better great. sign up now. They're gonna fill up. <laughs> they I might. haven't. Yeah, I haven't decided. Well, that's there's no soda kill in the area. Yeah, yeah. there right? isn't. So th- I think so there was one, one at Whitewater when I graduated. We had a salt, and they also were building. But a it's salt not open soda. to the public. That's nope. open to the, you know, the, yep. the students of the university. So yeah. Um. So that's one of the things I want, and I haven't even decided on what type of wood kill that I would. I might build a, a small little anagama that uh-huh. uh, you know is up higher that I don't have to get out. Twenty four hour. Yeah. Type yeah. Of firing. Yeah. Load in twenty four hour fire. Right. Um. 
Rocket Man. So yeah, or <laughs> or a Weber Rocket Man. You know, those are great kills. But taller, because but taller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but you off don't the ground. Have to, so you don't have to duck so much. All right. You know, I'm getting old. All right, Ryan, what you got? What's your worst advice? That you've uh, I think you asked me this question before. Did you have a good answer? Because I can't remember. Well, we so drank a lot of whiskey, and I didn't change, want to say the same change answer. Change the answer. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that was a lot of whiskey ago. Second worst advice. <laughs> yeah, go. Uh, yeah, second worst would be like, go into art education. Oh, so. that's. I think that was what you said last time. Oh, well, <laughs> if I did. Um, the other one was, you'll never make it selling your artwork. So either one of those was yeah that was bad advice yeah and they're from professors I respected so that's, yeah yeah oh. past tense yeah so they can suck it they can no. suck <laughs> it <laughs> no look at I'm just dripping with cash I'm so successful yeah you got a podcast you yeah have galleries knocking down your door you've got Instagram I got a followers. 2006 pickup. <laughs> I own at Living least large. three Ryan Myers pots. Oh. Yeah. Actually, my daughter owns one. Yeah. She was, did she say thank you to you tonight for that? Your wife was, she said she loves it. Because she so. was over the moon for that. Oh, oh good. She drinks awesome. out of it almost every day. Oh, good. <gasps> That's so nice. Good. So, my oh, I second. I remember you saying that. My second choice. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess. I wouldn't want to sell vegetables, but I want to garden more. Oh. Like, I, I want to work with my hands outside more. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I, I haven't thought about this. Do you have a chartreuse thumb? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're kind of black and sooty from wood from firing wood all day. Firing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. When you ask me this for the third time, I'll prep better. You got something good then? Well, I'm not, well, the first I'm time, not promising. Well, <laughs> the first time your mic wasn't on, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, cheers. Cheers. Is the thing. Cheers. Yeah. Have you ever made uh, shag bark hickory syrup? No. So, it's you can't use the sap, right? Because it's not producing sap. But mm -hmm. you take the, the shag bark, mm -hmm. it peels off. I mean, yeah. all the loose stuff. And you take a bunch of that. You and you down. basically make a tea with that, right? So you take that, put it in water, mm. take the bark, put it in water, and boil this tea. And then uh, you have to strain out all of the bits, pebbles yeah. and mm -hmm. bits and detritus from that. And squirrel shit. Uh, and then you add <laughs> copious amounts of sugar to it and then boil it down. Like oh, wait, you're sugar. adding sugar to it? You have to because there's no sugar in it. So basically, you make a tea yeah. out of this, strain it, add sugar, boil it down, shag bark hickory syrup, and it's delicious. Huh. I think you could do the same thing with dirt. <laughs> if you had enough <laughs> sugar. <laughs> shit know, syrup. Have you ever had shit syrup? You guys are super excited to see what happens with all the goings on. Uh, all right. What? Should we do this as a wrap? <laughs> I'm super worried that I didn't record my voice very well, so, okay. So, uh, thanks. Bye, Frank.